meditation is not extra credit. If meditation is something that you struggle with, start with what's in the book. Do it every day for 30 days. It was and continues to be revolutionary in my life. The thing that has changed my life the most has been diligently practicing those two things together over time. You know, this is the way that we let God discipline us is 10 and 11. I need to submit myself to that as much as I possibly can, as long as I possibly can, because that's when the big changes come. At least it has for me. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you're all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Greetings from Studio AA Deep in the heart of Texas. That was the voice of my friend, Mr. Casey W., that you heard here on this episode number 285 at the beginning of the episode, and you are going to hear so much more from KCW in un momento. But first things first, or would we say, I, I think Primero is first. Primero e Primero. This here episode is brought to you by Rachel and Laura and Brad and Lori and Jill. What you may ask to Rachel and Laura and Brad and Lori and Jill to deserve such a mention here at the top of this here episode where they went to our website www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on that little yeller donate tab and they made you guessed it a contribution so thank you so much rachel excuse me my tongue got tied there rachel and laura and brad and Lori and jill this here episode is coming right out to ewan's i started to say that's all ladies there but brad was in the middle and I, I was going to say, like, uh, this one's going out to all the ladies in the room or whatever. <laughs> what is that saying? This one's going out to all the ladies in the house tonight. But Brad kind of messed that up. So we'll, we'll save that for another time when it's all ladies. Nonetheless, I, John, am just another bozo on the bus will indeed be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings and i am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in 
So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table and let's go ahead and get started. Remember now, no matter who you are or what your past looks like, you are welcome here. It is an open table for all and we are glad you have joined us. All right, my friend, Mr. Casey W., is featured in this here episode. This episode is called Prayer and Meditation. Casey has been sober since 1990, the year of our Lord, 1990, and lives in Frisco, Texas. I know that town, Frisco, Texas. And this is one of those conversations where I have no idea where this conversation is going when we first start off, but we eventually kind of settle in and talk about a few subjects. We talk about prayer and meditation, duh, that's the title of the episode. Of course, you're going to talk about that, John M. We talk about love, the subject of love. We talk about Dr. Bob and some of the anecdotes from his life and several of his writings. We talk about involvement in the three sides of the triangle and so much more. That there is just the tip of the iceberg. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Mr. Casey W. If you're in your automobile, you know, maybe you could do it just like a little clap or something. Well, if you're not, if you're driving, don't take your hands off the wheel, but wherever you are, just do a little, you know, clap or just a little uh, fist pump or something like that. Help me to welcome Mr. Casey W. And as always, well, I shouldn't say always because I don't always have this, but as per normal, we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Enjoy, Casey. Okay, everybody. So we are, I say we, it's just me and you, actually. (laughs) There's nobody around. It's just me. (laughs) Me, Casey, are sitting here together. I started to say we are sitting here with Casey, but you know, just yeah, you know. I mean, and what's the old saying? Or do you have a frog in your pocket or whatever? <laughs> anyway, so we are sitting here today with my friend, dear friend, Mister Casey W. So first things first, Casey, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you so wish to do so, and tell people who are listening in where you live in this great land of ours. KCW, alcoholic, uh, sobriety date January 13th of 1990, and I am from beautiful Frisco, Texas. We're in the same neighborhood. We really well, are. I mean, not neighborhood. It'd be a long walk, but we could, I could walk. I could walk. <laughs> um and so i always so just so the listeners know if you've not heard kcw before he's been on i don't know four or five other episodes something of that nature um we attend the same groups together Mm -hmm. uh, mainly the frisco group and the frisco fourth dimension group um, so we see each other a lot and I just, whenever I hear Casey share in a meeting and I was just telling him this actually before we started here and that is Casey, it doesn't matter what the topic is. He seems to kind of on the fly, similar to David G mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, he on the fly seems to come up with something to say that is, uh, for me, uh, helpful, 
Uh, it's insightful. And so I'd just like to have Casey on the podcast here. And today, um, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand. I don't even really know where this is going to end up. Because what we've done before is we've started with a particular subject, and then it just it, it morphs into something. Mm-hmm. It, it's an organic conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's how I like these things to be. Yeah. All right. So what I'm going to do is start out with a subject that is kind of... At the forefront of my mind, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, and that subject is the subject of love. And I told Casey, I'm going to try to not to get too hippy dippy with him <laughs> on the actual podcast. But love is mentioned, you know, many times within mm-hmm. the book and within our literature. Yeah. Um, and uh, love and tolerance is our code. And there's many mm-hmm. other references. A really good podcaster would have done a little bit of research. Nope, nope. That's just mediocre. I, mean, <laughs> I like it. I like what we're doing right now. Before we got on and seen where all the references to sure. love are yeah. and the big yeah. book and the 12 yep. and 12 and all uh-huh. that sort of stuff. But you, nope. you're stuck nope. with me. <laughs> so we're going to wing it. So when I bring up that subject of you to you, Regarding love, what comes to mind for you? Can you share a little bit about that? Sure. First, thank you for saying that about um, uh, us being together in meetings. That's a very kind thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the same way about you most of the time. Sometimes your <laughs> shares are a little off, but most of the time they're pretty on time. Um, I, you talked a little bit about love before the first thing that comes to my mind and man, you said, you said one that probably should have been the first thing, which is love and tolerance of others is our code, right? That's the way I'm supposed to live my life from moment to moment. Um, if I'm, um, if I'm spiritually fit, I, I, when I think of love in the program, I also think of Dr. Bob's last message, kind of his last public address before he died. It was real short. Um, and if you've never read it before, I recommend looking it up. Dr. Bob's last message, it'll come right up in a search. Um, and he said that the whole thing boils down to love and service. Our whole program boils down to love and service. And so that's the first thing that comes to my mind. You know, I think we tend to think of romantic love, you know, when we say the word love, but uh, I think about this idea of brotherly love, you know, um, we, a lot of times end our meetings with our father. Right. And when I think about that, I think about, that really, and this is getting a little Emmett Foxy, but uh, the idea that that if we had a God, it would be an all-knowing, all-powerful person who loved us, right? And then by saying our Father together, I think about you know this sisterly and brotherly love. If we all had one Father, then we'd all be brothers and sisters, right? And how would you treat your brother and sister that you loved? Um, and I really learned about love in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I, I I absolutely believe my parents loved me. I had a very good upbringing. My parents did the best they could, um, and that first sponsor was the person who really um, showed me what love was, you know, the respect that comes with that, the attention that comes with that listening, you know, doing what you say you're going to do, uh, and taking a genuine interest in me. You know, this was, this was a person who was a complete stranger to me, you know, uh, a very short period in time before, and now is helping guide me through this process, you know? And so I, I feel like that was the first place where I really, um, saw that demonstrated, you know, the brotherly love demonstrated. 
So what I'm thinking of while you're talking, you know, how we kind of like think about our own experiences regarding this. And um, I think about my sponsor, Bob, when I first came into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I remember sitting on my apartment floor on the telephone, the regular telephones at that Mm -hmm. time. And uh, he was telling me, and I was kind of going through everything. That, I mean, I was just a bundle of nerves. And I think about him on the phone saying, you know, John, I love you. We love you. Mm-hmm. We need you here. We want you here. And I remember hanging up the phone and just I just started sobbing because I didn't know what was going on at mm-hmm. the time. I mean, I didn't, you know, kind of like, cognitively think oh i think i'm feeling love right now (laughs) but afterwards you know if i had some retrospect over the years it was one of my first experiences uh, excuse me my first exposures to mm, real love and like you said it's not like i I, it's people love me before that it's not like i don't think i ever felt love, but i really really felt it at my core and i knew that he had no expectations of me he just loved me Mm -hmm. and i want to read this because while you were while you're talking there i wrote i I looked that up good Uh, dr bob uh this is what dr bob said in one of his it was his last farewell speech i believe i think it was at a a, like an international conference okay like world and was one of the last times he ever spoke i believe so okay it says, my good friends in AA and of AA. Oh, that's interesting. This is the first time I ever noticed that. So he's, <laughs> obviously, so he's talking about like all, the, you know, uh, spouses and, right. you know, all the non-alcoholics. Definitely a family affair, especially in the early days. Yeah. I get a big thrill out of looking over the vast sea of faces like this with a feeling that possibly some small thing Dr. Bob, right? This is him. He said, mm-hmm. some small thing I did a number of years ago has played an infinitely, an infinitely small part. It's real humbleness there, right? Mm-hmm. In making this meeting possible. I also get a thrill when I think about, when I think that we all had the same problem. We all did the same things. We all get the same results in the proportion to our zeal and enthusiasm and stick to Intuitiveness. <laughs> you don't hear that term much uh-huh. anymore. The 1950s term. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you will pardon the injection of a personal note, Dr. Bob says, at this time, let me say that I have been in bed five of the past seven months. He's obviously very sick. And my strength hasn't returned as I would like. So my remarks of necessity will be very brief. We should all <laughs> take yeah. that. Uh. <laughs> there are two or three things that flashed into my mind on which it would be fitting to lay a little emphasis. One is the simplicity of our program. Let's not louse it up with all Freudian complexes and things that are interesting to the scientific mind, <clears throat> Excuse me, but have very little to do with our actual AA work. 
are 12 steps when simmer down. <laughs> Think about that. That's Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> when simmer down, Dr. Bob had no idea it was going to be a simmer down uh, skit on Saturday Night Live years later. When simmer down to the last, resolve themselves into the words, quote, love, unquote, and, quote, service, love and service. We understand what love is, and we understand what service is, so let's bear those two things in mind. Let us also remember to guard that erring member, the tongue. Mm. And if we must use it, let's use it with kindness and consideration and tolerance. And one more thing. None of us would be here today if somebody hadn't taken time to explain things to us to give us a little pat on the back, and to take us to a meeting or two, to do numerous little kind and thoughtful acts on our behalf. So let's never get such a degree of smug complacency that we're not willing to extend or to attempt to extend to our less fortunate brothers that help which has been so beneficial to us. Thank you very much. Well, I did not get a little, uh, uh, verklempt, is that the word? (laughs) (laughs) Reading through Uh that? All right, so, the episode where I'm interviewing you, I've been talking mainly thus far, (laughs) which I don't like to do. So, any... Any thoughts on what I just read from Dr. Well, I hate to say it, John, but I'm sure that the listeners enjoy listening to what you have to say on some of these topics. So I'm glad that you're talking. Um, I certainly enjoy it. I would say, you know, uh, the humility is obviously something you pull away from that. You said it. Uh, They said that that he sponsored something like uh, uh, 5,000 people in the time that he was sober, uh, which basically is like sponsoring a person a day. So, uh, if you ever think you're in the, you know, in in the sponsorship race, I think the best we can hope for a second, you know, uh, uh, and everything that he did to bring the program to us. I also, when you, when he said stick to itiveness, I don't think that's a word. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Bob was famous for making up little euphemisms and colloquialisms of his own that people are like, what is he talking about? I don't even know what that means. Um, and so I, I absolutely love that about him, uh, you know, and as we start to talk about things like Along with love, you know, you and I talked about what about 10, 11, and 12 and some of those other things. You know, he was one of the absolute um, gold standards for searching, right? He was a very well-read guy. He read a ton of spiritual literature. Uh, If you ever are interested in learning more about Dr. Bob, Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers is a great place to learn that. And they talk about him reading, you know, one or two hours a day. Um, We think of Dr. Bob... A lot of times, when you if if you know about the history, you think about Doctor Bob being Christian. But he read the Quran. He read about Taoism. He read about a lot. Of, I mean, he even read about like Voodooism and mystical arts. I mean, he he was interested in having broadening his spiritual experience. And know? for the nineteen fifties, especially he, in the thirty forties and fifties, that's really amazing. Ahead of your time. Amazing. Bill and Bob were really pretty ahead of their time when you when you read about some of the things that those guys were up to uh, um, in early in early AA, uh, they were, um, 
Uh, they were definitely stepping out of the norm in a lot of ways. And Dr. Bob was one of those guys that really stepped out of the norm. Um, and there was probably no person that was more interested in the newcomer than Bob. You know, and he says it right there uh, at the end of that, um, his talk there. One of my favorite stories about Dr. Bob is that, I mean, I think most people know this, maybe people who are new into Alcoholics Anonymous do not know this, but his profession, he was a doctor, mm -hmm. but he was a particular kind of doctor. Mm -hmm. He was a proctologist. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> It is kind of funny, so right? So good. Right? And so, and the, so, but here's the story is that we, as you know, he got sober for a little while. He went off to a medical convention. He came back. Dr. Uh, 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 Bill was there. And Dr. Bob's last drink. And the reason June 10th, 1935 is the uh, Founders Day mm -hmm. is because Dr. Bob went to... Well, first of all, he got he got smashed at the uh, at the medical convention. Mm -hmm. Then he came back, but he had to do surgery yeah. that next morning. Right. And so, doc, so Bill W. In order to calm his nerves, mm -hmm. gave him a couple of beers right. before he went in to have that <clears throat> surgery. And so, my thought process always goes to. I don't know who that guy was he was operating on, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but he is a, a bit player yeah. in this whole thing of uh -huh. alcoholics and all, and he got operated yeah, on. Yeah, Godspeed. <laughs> Hope you're all right. I mean. <laughs> and it wasn't, I mean, it was a proctology yeah. Yeah. operation. I'm, I'm not learning uh -huh. enough, but it had to, you know, it was fairly serious yeah. you know what they're doing yeah so. one of my favorite anecdotes it's in dr bob the good old timers there's a guy who learns about aa and learns about dr bob and he's interested you know in quitting drinking and then he finds out that dr bob is a proctologist and the guy basically says well if that's the way they're doing it i'm not interested <laughs> So I want to uh, kind of uh, shift gears here a mm -hmm. little bit. I, I know like earlier this week I was talking to you and you were on the way to a meditation. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, and this is all part of the process, right? It's all yep. part of the journey. It's all part of the seeking, the asking. So what did you go to earlier in the yeah. week? So uh, some friends of mine invited me to a, an AA meeting and the theme of that meeting was meditation. Okay. Uh, so it was an AA meeting. It was an AA meeting inside a church. That's right. Gotcha. Yep. It was an AA meeting inside church. And so, uh, the format of that meeting, and I've gone to some similar meetings and I love these kinds of meetings, um, darker room, uh, usually a little bit of a smaller crowd. Sometimes it's going to be a bigger crowd, but someone reads from the literature, uh, and then you meditate for a period of time. They How long? So in this meeting, it was 30 minutes. Okay. And then they reread what they did, uh, what they had read in the beginning. Uh, and then there was kind of 30 minutes of sharing. And so I've gone to several meetings like that, that I really enjoy. Uh, that was an open meeting. So there was uh, some spouses uh, and things like that at the meeting as well. Um, and there, uh, you know, we talk about enlarging our spiritual experience, right? And 
uh, uh, the book talks about be quick to see where other places are right. It talks about, it kind of gives a little bit more of a description of meditation in, in step 11 in the 12 and 12, right? And so I think for me, I love to meditate at home. Uh, when I get the opportunity to, I love to meditate with my wife. Uh, there are, and you and I have talked about this, there are uh, times when we'll go do yoga together. And a lot of times it's m- more of a meditative yoga than a hot yoga, uh, which is great. And sitting in a room with a bunch of drunks and their spouses and sitting together for 30 minutes quietly uh, is a different experience for me. Uh, and it's something that I, I tend to carry with me um, when I'm able to do something like that. And so um, I try to participate in those types of things as much as I can. Anytime somebody says, hey, we've got this meditation thing we're doing, I am all in. Like I'm interested because I, I feel like that's um, – one of the places where I could grow the most, um, sitting quietly is not my, my natural state, right? I, I like to talk. Uh, um, and, and so, uh, anytime I can do something different or new around that, man, I'm interested. I'm all in. Okay. So there, there are people out there and I, I was this way, especially when I was first getting sober, uh, and you know, and you hear this all the time. Well, you know, I, I can't sit still for that long. You know, I, I can't I can't meditate. I understand that other people do it. Uh, my friend Buddy C always says, trying to meditate is meditating. Mm-hmm. Even if you do it for one minute, yep. you know, that's meditating. So talk to me about, like, did you immediately start being able to meditate? Was it easy for you right off the bat? So my first sponsor early on, six months of sobriety was Buddhist. And he described to me the kind of meditation that they describe in step 11 of the 12 and 12, which is taking a prayer and um, taking it word by word, you know? Uh, So the way it describes it in the 11th step of the 12 and 12 is the St. Francis prayer, right? And so the start of that prayer, Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, right? And so the way the meditation works is, Lord, what does that word mean to me? right? Make. What does that word mean to me? Lord make. What does that phrase mean to me? Right? And you go through the prayer in that way. um, And that's the way you meditate. That was something helpful to me because it was a little bit more active, right? It was something where I was still sitting quietly and still by myself, but it gave me something to think on. And so that, that, just as it describes in the, and, and there's meditation that describes in the big book too, that's more of an active meditation, right? The meditation that it describes in the big book, it can be a little bit confusing when you look at it, right? Because we talk about our nightly inventory and we talk about that more like it's step 10, but really the nightly inventory that's described is in step 11, right? And so that's my meditation, you know? When I retire at night, where was I selfish, resentful, dishonest, or afraid, you know, uh, and asking myself those questions um, is part of the meditation. So I encourage people who are new to meditation, right, and and are uncomfortable with it, just do it as it says it out of the book, right? right? Because to me, that's the baseline. And whatever I do for meditation um, on top of that is great. I try not to get away from that baseline upon awakening, what we do throughout the day, and when we retire at night. I try not to ever move away from that baseline. And I think that if people start there, because if what you start with is, I'm going to go to an app, and I'm going to listen to bowls, right? And I'm going to do it for 10 minutes and sit quietly. People get discouraged, you know, and and people are like, I can't do that, you know? But I think if you start what's in out of what's in the book, I think it's a great place 
that's a launching point for doing something like sitting quietly for 30 minutes in a room. I know people that have done days or weekends of quiet, you know, that, that, and you work up to something like that. The other thing I would say is I know there are also people with mental and emotional challenges that that's can be hard for them. And those are not the, the types of things that prevent people from sitting quietly for 30 minutes or not something that is part of my affliction. But I know that other people have had that. And that's still no excuse for not doing the meditation right out of the book. I think it was Gary Kay who said his morning routine is like three to five minutes. I mean, it, this is not a big commitment that we're making. You know, uh, when I think about the time that I spent <clears throat> thinking about a drink, going for a drink and drinking a drink, you know, it was a lot more than three or five minutes in the morning. You know, that was pretty much my entire day. And so I can, I can make myself three to five minutes. Sometimes when I get the chance, like this morning, Saturday and Sunday is a great example. I can usually take some more time. Right. Uh, uh, but sometimes when I'm working and the kids are up and, you know, we got stages of life, three to five minutes might be what I have. And that's okay. I can get what the book says to get done in three to five minutes. And you just have to look for those opening. I, I think I told you recently that I uh, I remember when my okay. So there's a difference between being you know single and you know having time and and, and you know being married and then you start having kids and little all kids and, and right. job and right. They don't you know they're not on your your meditations. <laughs> no, they're not. And my son. He turned like two or three, I think it was two, if I'm not mistaken. I, my wife would know, but there, there's a certain time to where all of a sudden they're not in a crib anymore and now they're in a little bed and they realize that they have a little freedom and they can get up out of that bed and roam around the house if they mm-hmm. want to, but but we want them to be going to sleep. Right. So the reason I, I describe this is because it's right out, in fact, right out this door right here, mm-hmm. my son, he would get up out of that room and he would start to go, he would start to wonder. But as long as I was near him, it, basically, he just he wanted to know we were near. Mm-hmm. Right? He wanted to know I, in particular, was near at that mm-hmm. time. And I would sit outside this door and just close my eyes. Mm-hmm. And he would suck on his thumb and he would get his little blankie mm-hmm. and he would watch me as I meditated. Mm-hmm. And that would put him to sleep. All and right. so I guess my point through all that is, is that sometimes it's just about like, you know, it's looking for the openings, you know, mm-hmm. where can it, and when it was actually really beneficial for me mm-hmm. and, um, you know, for, for both of us, I don't, I'm sure he doesn't even remember it, but right. I remember it being very yeah. important for me. So I'll flip the script on that for you. How was it when you first started? Like, how did you find meditation when you first got sober? Yeah, it was tough. Uh, in fact, you, you know, meditation is, I would say a lot more, discussed talked about nowadays than when i first got sober it was it was a little bit hippy dippy Mm -hmm. you know back in the day it wasn't something that you know like i I remember i had to go to the library and i would find this book and i'd have to what what do you call it dewey decimal systems right (laughs) i would i would that long box Uh you take out there and you'd see something on meditation you check out the book you take it home and 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 then i would start like thinking about like um uh, so, so, so they would say, you know, like light a candle, watch that, think about these things and all that kind of stuff. But I would start thinking about 
pizza and beer and you right. know, my, my mind just wasn't focused, yep. which is understandable. Um, but eventually, I, I, I don't know, really, you know, Casey, it's been the last like 10, 15 years, but I didn't do much meditation at all. Yep. Well, when I say much meditation, like, you know, kind of just like sitting and listening. Yep. Now, I did a lot of the stuff of like yoga and walking and mm-hmm. all the active stuff. And for me, one of the biggest things that I really loved is I would like be, I would read through uh, the big book or the Bible or some other sort of literature and I would find uh, something that I liked and I would write that down and then I would take it out. And as I was walking for a few miles, I would say that particular mm. phrase over and over mm. to myself. Like a mantra. Yeah. So the, the short story is that it, it was not easy in the beginning and I still have to kind of work mm-hmm. at it. And sometimes my mind just still floats off. But the, mm-hmm. but the most important thing I think is to just keep practicing. Well, I think too, the thing that's really cool about meditation is that I don't know about you, but for me, before I got sober, wherever I was, I wanted to be somewhere else. You know, when it talks about restless, irritable, and discontent, to me, restless is not being where I want to be, not being satisfied where I am currently. You know, I remember those frantic early calls to my sponsor, right, about whatever the emergency was. And he would say two things to me. He would, first thing he would say is, have you prayed about it? You know, because when, when we look at step 10 out of the big book, you know, uh, continue to watch for restlessness or selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Uh, And when these crop up, we ask God to remove them, right? So that's the first thing he wanted me to do was to talk to God about it, right? And so, of course, I'd call him, I hadn't prayed about it. Why would I pray about it? I need concrete answers, you know? And so, (laughs) Then I got into the habit of quickly saying a prayer, you know, not meaning it before I called him like, yes, I prayed about it, you know. Um, And obviously that practice got better over time. But the second thing he would say to me would be, how are you right now? You know, and, and obviously that, you know, the chair I was on wasn't on fire. You know, this was me projecting about something I was thought was going to happen in the future or something someone said to me in the past. Cause how I was right now was generally like sitting in a chair at home, talking to my sponsor on the phone. You know, that's how I was right then. And so I think that meditative practice, trying to get used to sitting in the moment is kind of the, uh, just a great expression of enjoying the now being where my feet are. There's no time when I'm more in tune with where my feet are at any given point in time than when I'm sitting quietly. And if you can manage to do that for a while, there is nothing more for me, more energizing than spending a, when I can spend a good amount of time in meditation, getting up from that and really kind of feeling, you know, uh, the peace and calm that I think the program offers us, you know? Right. As you were talking about that, I just kind of took a deep breath in and I was thinking about how it does make me feel. And it is like getting in touch with the source Mm -hmm. Uh, as much as I can in this, you know, frail. We're having a human experience, John. (laughs) That's not going to change as far as I know. Okay. So then we've talked a lot about meditation. Let's kind of shift gears and talk about prayer. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I know that they are, you know, they 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 are woven in together. Mm-hmm. I get it, but it it. So, so anyway, what comes to mind for you when I bring up the topic of prayer? Uh, I think for me, a 
One of the things that's most important for me to remember for prayer is what my first sponsor told me and my current sponsor talks about all the time. We say the 11-step prayer is the St. Francis prayer, but my sponsor says really the 11-step prayer is the knowledge of God's will for me and the power to carry it out, right? And so my, my sponsor always taught me that if I'm going to pray for something, that is what I'm going to pray for, and otherwise I am saying thank you, right? And so um, my prayers are not usually very long. Um, my prayers are usually uh, a conversation with God about what's going on in my life today. Um, and really, you know, the, the early AAs, they focus so much on morning quiet when you read through some of the uh, accounts of that and, and uh, some of their later quotations. They talk a lot about that that morning quiet time. And if I can start my day every morning on my knees, just recognizing that God is in charge and your will not mine be done, that's usually enough for me prayer-wise, right? There will be people that I know that are struggling, right? And I'll, uh, I don't pray for them to be well or for them to be good or for them to get whatever it is that I, I don't pray for those things, right? I just say, hey, these people are on my heart. This person is sick. I know they're struggling um, and I struggle with them struggling, you know? And then uh, I think the gratitude that comes you know, with saying thank you for things and not saying thank you for the same thing all the time, you know, um, trying to recognize the big and the small. Um, to me, that that's, to me, that's what prayer is about. And then throughout the day, pause when agitated or doubtful, you know, and, um, and say, thy will not mine be done. Very rarely, John, have I said, thy will not mine be done, and then done something incredibly stupid afterwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> What about you? What does prayer mean for you? What does prayer look like for you? Um, so when you were talking, I was thinking about when I first got sober and I went to a, uh, a Bible study group. Mm -hmm. And by the way, this is not a knock on anybody or anything. And everyone's got their different ways. But I, I think the traditional... Uh, Judeo-Christian values or that or not not values, but the the methodology when it comes to prayer is to pray for some real specific mm -hmm. things, you know, yep. like take away this illness, right? You know, uh, help me with this, whatever the case may be, and um, and there was something that was very it didn't feel right for me and I, yeah. and I'm and at that point I'd probably been sober a couple of years mm -hmm. and I brought it up in the bible study yeah uh I said I, I just I don't feel right about this and and somebody within that study that they and you know I was I was young and impressionable and, yeah. and I just I didn't know really what was going on and I, I remember they said to me well if you don't pray for specific things, you're doubting God's power or something hmm. of that, you know? That's interesting. Yeah. And uh, so I walked away from that. And so I, I kind of played around with it both ways. Mm -hmm. right? I started praying, but I could tell in my gut, it felt right for me when I just prayed for his will to be done, mm -hmm. his will to be done. And, you know, not wanting to kind of control the situation. And for me, prayer really is more about, it's what happens after I do everything that my little 
pea brain can do, and then I get stuck, and I don't know where to go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've tried all the the, the rational stuff, you know, and and I'm just I, I don't know where to go. Yeah. So then I pick up prayer. Now it doesn't mean that I don't pray, like um, like in other words. I don't have to be at the end of my rope in order to pray because I do pray. I pray a lot. Uh, you know, and, and it's so weird for me too, Casey, in that I, you know, I pray and I meditate, I would say more than the average person. Yeah. And the only reason I'm saying that is because it's so hard to believe that I'm this messed up. <laughs> And I pray that much and meditate that much. Some are sicker than others, John. I don't know what to tell you. Can you? I can't even imagine where I would be if I wasn't praying and meditating. Because it's not like a cure-all. I mean, I still am just, oh, I'm still selfish and dishonest and resentful and afraid all the time. Uh, But if I didn't have, you know, the prayer and meditation in my back pocket, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. Yeah, I I find it interesting, the, the... the prayer study. I don't know. My my first sponsor, when the talks in the book, it says we had to put, quit playing God. It didn't work. Right. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't even believe in God. You know, I'm like early on mm-hmm. and he starts to talk about, okay, well, do you know, you know, do you think you know what's best for you? Right. That's how he kind of describes mm-hmm. how I play God. Right. And we went down that route together and it's like, I want to do this and I want to be this and I want this in my life. And it's like, okay, here's where you're playing God, you're trying to plan and design your life in such a way. Because I have seen people go through some very difficult things um, uh, over the course of my life, some in recovery, some not in recovery, right? And watch them go through very difficult things. And maybe it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. And, you know, it was exactly what they needed at the time. When I think about the, like the, in my mind, the worst, I'm just going to use air quotes, the worst things that have happened to me in my life. When I look back on those, it was critical that those things happened and I went through those things. Mm-hmm. So when I'm praying and I'm saying, make this happen, it's just like, I don't know, God's my relationship with God feels like my relationship with other people in that when I'm focused on what can I do for God, right? How can I serve God, right? Rather than what can I take from God? That relationship tends to go pretty well. That works for my wife, for my kids, for my friends, for my work, you know, just every place tends to be, and that's, you know, we talk about the spiritual awakening. And in the back of the book, it says the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. One of the biggest things in my personality that needed to change was I needed to figure out what I could bring to situations rather than what I can take from situations. Because if I'm figuring out what I can bring to situations, I can always think of more that I can bring and how to make it better. And when I think about what I can need to take from a relationship, I can always think of more and how much more I need to take from a relationship. So I can either become happier and happier and happier when I'm seeing what I can give, or I can become more disgruntled and upset and resentful and fearful when I'm not taking away all those things that I think I should be taking out of the relationship. Right. For whatever reason, this just came to mind where you were talking and I was like thinking about how I know you sponsor a ton of guys. And to me, what you were just explaining there just sounded like some real good sponsorship <laughs> advice that not only you could give to 
to guys that you actually sponsored, but people who are listening in, right, and could take that and and could pass that on. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and this just came up uh, in my little pea brain Mm -hmm. one one more time, um, is that, uh, as you know, I've had this podcast for now like a a few years. I think it started at the beginning of 2017. Yeah, I I was on one of those first jinky podcasts that you did, John. (laughs) Yeah, duct tape and bubble gum. I feel like we just did it on our phone. I'm not even sure what equipment you had. <laughs> That's right. I remember this person was just getting them out there. I'm like, so I don't know. Good. Let's just see. So good. Right. Let's see if this gets any traction. And I was like amazed. Like, oh, wow. Somebody actually wants to listen to this yes. crap. Yes. I love it. <laughs> not me crap. But the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, me crap that the guests were like you were. I mean, I could see they wanted to listen to you. But nonetheless. Uh but and the reason I say that is because uh, I had had tons of people that wrote in over the years, and they say, "Will you please publish your story, whatever the case may be?" Mm-hmm. And and the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, I, I I talked to uh, there were people that I talked about, and I just kind of kept pushing it off. But you were one of the people that said, "John, this is really." Uh, important mm-hmm. uh, for you to do, you know, for yourself and for the listener or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But I just want to, I, I want to kind of thank you publicly for kind of nudging me, e- even from the, p- the point you sort of nudging me, it still took me a, over a year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been talking about this for a while <laughs> and it wasn't like you told your story and then I was like, oh, that was really good. You should do it. Like even before then I was like, John, <laughs> People want to know about you. And it's like, well, they can look at this other podcast right. that I did or whatever. I'm like, no, this is your podcast and people should hear a little bit about your story. And and I'm thrilled that you did that. Uh, I think that, um, you know, I think that having the insight, you have such a... Uh, such an incredible story, such an incredible what it was like, such an incredible what happened and kind of what it's like now that um, I, I, I was so happy to get to hear that the times that I've heard it live and then also get to hear you do it on, on, on the air, which was really cool. Yeah. Well, I just, like I said, I want to, that you're, you're the one and you weren't like, you know, uh, pushy, pushy. About. Yeah. It was well, just I, like, tr- I tried to nudge, but not, you know, <laughs> make, make it to where you're like, Oh, here comes Casey again. He's going to tell me to put my story online. <laughs> Oh, and I still think about that the, the from the night that you were there the I, the tape that I took and I actually ended up uh, putting it out there with there was that one girl there yeah her name was Katie and it was her first meeting ever and you were sitting next to me and you know you were like whoa no pressure man that was like for whatever reason <laughs> you know what's cool really though fun. and this has happened to me a few times where I've spoken somewhere and somebody got a desire chip at that meeting and then I see them like years later yeah. and they're still sober there's a lady I'm thinking of specifically at friendship group in Louisville um, who was I do step speaker there occasionally and this was like five or six years ago and she was there and crying and yeah. I'm like oh god speaker meeting for your first meeting <laughs> Meeting. I'm so sorry. Please come back tomorrow. It'll be better. I promise. It'll be better. And, and she and I have this cute little relationship because yeah. we were there and we kind of stayed in touch and talked to each other. And now she got five or six years sober. And uh, there's plenty of examples like that. I think that's what happens when you continue to be involved in the program. You know, we 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 say, um, you know, I, I know people talk about meetings don't keep you sober, or whatever it is. I know there's like controversy about 90 meetings in 90 days and keep coming back and all that stuff. The program is the program. It's in the book. 
164 pages, do what's out of the book. That's what keeps you sober. Going to meetings for me and seeing somebody who's a newcomer and getting to hear their story, the guy today who was chairing and just listening to his story, coming and doing this podcast with you, knowing that we're going to talk about some things. Like I spent some more time this morning being quiet because I knew we were going to do this today, right? And continuing to be involved like that, just in sponsoring people, service commitments. I feel like all those things are the things that you're, I'm either building momentum towards enlarging my spiritual experience or taking tiny little steps away from God. You know, it's like, I don't ever take these big steps towards anything, but if I'm able to continue to be involved in all three sides of the triangle, unity, service, and recovery, it's a snowball, right? If I just do one of those things, it tends to lose momentum. But if I'm doing all three with some regularity, um, the, the residual of that is not just physical sobriety, but emotional emotional sobriety, happiness, um, good relationships, um, waking up and being excited about the day, being able to sleep at night, you know, all those things that I couldn't do before I got here. So part of what I, I, uh, need to, to do have to do in order to, you know, get a, uh, an episode out that I can talk about is I have to take a lot of I have to take some notes. You, you see me taking notes, and we do this every time. And I, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I, what happened during this episode, me just talking to you, and what this is much like me and Casey sitting down to have a cup of coffee somewhere, mm-hmm. and y'all are just listening in, right? Mm-hmm. For anybody who wants <laughs> that to is exactly in. what's happening right, right. now, honestly. <laughs> for anybody who's a glutton for punishment and wants to listen to me and Casey <laughs> right. have a conversation. Right. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because I was just like, intrigued by so many things you were saying and i just realized i got to the end of it oh i gotta write some things down because i you know it's either that or i go back and listen to the whole episode again and i love you casey but i'm not nobody wants to do that (laughs) once is enough john (laughs) all right so and the other thing is i always kind of figure out on the end what am i going to title this And we've been so all over the place. I, I don't know yet, uh, but 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 I'll I'll figure it out, or we'll figure it out together, one mm-hmm. of the two. Okay. Anything before we wrap it up here that you would like to share with the listeners? Anything that's on your heart? Anything that uh, uh, has meant a lot to you over the past week, or even during our conversation or anything that's on your heart and mind that you just want to make sure that you get out. Uh, I think two things. One is, uh, thank you for doing this, uh, for the time that we get to spend together and just for doing the podcast. I look forward to Fridays and getting to listen to who the next person that you have speaking. So I appreciate you continuing to do that bit of service work. Uh, and then the second thing is meditation is not extra credit, (laughs) right? You know, uh, um, if, if meditation is something that you struggle with, start with what's in the book, do it every day for 30 days, right? Just, uh, the, the bit that's, you know, uh, upon awakening, uh, as we go throughout the day and when we retire at night, just give that a try for 30 days. Just do that three to five minutes in the morning, three to five minutes at night. You might find yourself saying, thy will not mine be done throughout the day uh, as you pause and see what happens. It was and continues to be revolutionary in my life. We do these steps 
and big things happen when I share my first fifth step or I make an amends, like in the moment, a, a big thing happens to me. Very few times has a big thing happened to me in the moment in meditation when I follow kind of 10 and 11 out of the big book. However, the thing that has changed my life the most has been diligently practicing those two things together over time. Um, you know, this is the way that we let God discipline us, right, mm-hmm. is 10 and 11. And, and um, I need to submit myself to that as much as I possibly can, as long as I possibly can, because that's when the big changes come, at least it has for me. That put a bow on it. That is uh, that, very well said. Thank you, Casey. All right. Page 164 from the big book. For those of you reading along at home, this is where I am. This is an actual, if you can hear, an actual book. And it's not a, It's not the big, big book. It's no, a it's small the tiny big version. book. <laughs> right. It's because my desk here, uh, I'm so um, uh, unprivileged. I've got a small desk. <laughs> you poor thing. You poor <laughs> and, uh, thing. So I keep the small version of the big book on my little desk here. All right. It says, <clears throat> abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and KCW, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, my friend, thanks for coming in. Love thanks, you. Joe. Love you, buddy. I always enjoy spending time with my friend, Mr. KCW, uh, and I'm sure that you enjoyed this episode. And if that was the case, please pause that little device that you're on, press that share button and send it out, send out this episode to another friend or family member. Uh, It may be just what they need today. Thank you again, Mr. KCW. Love you, my friend. Now on to a little bit of listener feedback. This comes in, so I did a, I did, I, I read on the air last week or the week before a kind of a version of this, something that had been sent to my friend Brad, uh, and he relayed that to me, but I'm going to read you what was sent directly to me. And this is from Zach. Zach says, uh, the title of the or the subject line is six months sober on the email. And he says, Hey, John M., my name is Zach M., and I emailed you about six months ago. At the time, I was an absolute mess and spiraling out of control. I found your podcast on Spotify when I reached out to you, and you put me in contact with Brad W. My sober date is September 4th of 2022, and my six months is in a couple of days. I'm a little behind reading this from listener feedback. But anyway, and he says, I have worked through the steps with my sponsor, and I am making amends. I just wanted to say how grateful I am for everything you do. I wouldn't be sober today if I hadn't discovered sober speak. And you introducing me to Brad got me started on my journey with AA, hands down the best thing to ever happen to me in my life. I also 
Oh, excuse me. I owe you. I owe my sobriety to you. And discovering your podcast may have saved my life. Thank you sincerely. The program is now a fundamental part of my life, and I'm so excited for what the future holds. You are a beacon of hope for people and are truly inspiring. Thank you for everything you do one day at a time. And if I'm ever down in the Frisco area, I'd love to come to a meeting. God bless you and keep on keeping on. And the part that um, Zach did not mention in this uh, uh, email that he wrote is that he found us when he was an inmate and they gave the inmates uh, access to the Sober Speak podcast. And I'm sure there are other resources they have available to him. But Zach, that is just so, so, so cool. And I'm glad to hear it. And God bless you and keep on keeping on. And if you are in the Frisco area, let us know. We'd love to come meet you at a meeting. That would be absolutely fantastic. And, uh, once again, I want to put another uh, thank you out to my friend Brad, uh, who works with several of the inmates that write into the show. Uh, he reaches out to them, and he's got himself a little, I don't know, for lack of a better word, ministry there, uh, just uh, or service work that he does with the people that reach out from uh, behind bars. And I'm very, very thankful to Mr. Brad. So thank you very much. Oh, God bless you, Zach. That's fantastic. Lori writes in, Lori says, love your podcast to infinity, John M. Well, infinity, that's a mighty long time or a mighty big number. Probably not saying that right. But anyway, she says, I am not an alcoholic, but I'm writing a book on emotional sobriety and your podcast is such a wonderful way to learn about addiction and my own inner emotional drunk. (laughs) I like how she phrased that. I've got my own inner emotional drunk as well, Lori. So anyway, thank you for writing in. And uh, it sounds like you're going to be a great writer. I hope that book comes out fantastic. Antoinette writes in, Antoinette, what a cool name. She says, hello, John M. Thank you for adding me to your Facebook group. Well, the pleasure is all mine, Antoinette. I search, oh, by the way, just in case you're listening to this and you think, well, how come Antoinette gets in that Facebook group and I cannot join the Facebook group? This is not fair. And you start stomping your feet and thinking about all sorts of resentments. Well, guess what? It is available to you as well. Go to Facebook, search up Sober Speak Secret Group. And we will get you on in there. Just ask for admission. We'd love to have you as part of it as well. Anyway, Antoinette continues. I went, uh, I first went to AA back in 2006 after two drunk drivings. I only made it nine months before deciding I didn't want to lose my friends 
and family. There would have been an intervention in my family. They are all drinkers. We're all functional alcoholics. Nothing has happened to bring me to quitting except that I'm coming up on my 60th birthday and I'm just done with it. I'm tired of feeling like crap all the time. It's not fun anymore. Today is my quit day. I pulled out my coins from back in the day that I have not seen in years. I was overwhelmed with emotion and know I'm doing the right thing, even though all my relationships will change. I'm in the 24-7 AA meeting tonight. I've been here for three hours. I hope that I can sleep tonight. I was in shock on the one episode of the woman who started drinking at five years old. That was a crazy story, Antoinette C. I, I think she's talking about, oh, lady from California. Oops. I am, oh, I think she's talking about June, if I'm not mistaken, but who knows? All right, Antoinette. Well, I'm glad you are back on track and I hope you got some sleep that night. And uh, thank you for writing in uh, while you were there. I appreciate that. Um, and good luck in your journey. Hillary writes in and she says, hi, John, with a big old exclamation point. She says, I am honored to have my name mentioned on such a great podcast ep today. Your outro was so real and relatable and Don L was brilliant. I completely connected and resonated to what he was sharing. And especially as I am on step four right now, it really opened my understanding to the truth of doing a quote, real and honest inventory. I feel like uh, I feel like I can let go of the victimization of my childhood as I walk through the steps, especially with the permission of the gift of AA and Al-Anon. Good show, John. Keep sending plenty O. <laughs> Keep sending plenty O pods our way. <laughs> Through God and the sunshine of the Spirit. Romans 8.28, quote, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His promise, unquote. Grace and peace, Hillary. Hillary, grace and peace back Atcha, you can't see me doing my little namaste hands right now, but I am. And God bless you. And thanks for letting us, sober speak, be a part of your journey, a small part of your journey. Thank you so much. Vivian writes in, and Vivian says, Dear John, I was listening to this week's episode, excellent as usual. And oh, she's talking about David G's episode. Yes. And I heard the feedback at the end of the episode criticizing you for laughing at Jeff V. Naturally, I had to go back and re-listen to that episode because I couldn't understand. I did not hear anything offensive at all. Your laughter is empathetic, 
and not humiliating. We all have our stuff to work through and, quote, anonymous, unquote, is probably struggling with life. Whenever I feel hurt or resentful, I learn from Joe and Charlie, big smiley face, to pray for that person. It helps me to see them as a human who deserves understanding just like me. I bet that person anonymous is in a lot of pain and you're an easy target because you make yourself so accessible. It is part of being in the public square. Uh, But anyway, she says, you are doing a wonderful service, which I cherish, along with the thousands of other listeners. Thank you so much, Vivian M. So just in case you didn't hear it, there was somebody who wrote in and uh, I don't know, they weren't real happy about my particular laugh. Oh, and they also gave me a diagnosis, which I had never, never had before. So let me see if I can find this real quick. Um, The person anonymous who wrote in says, oh, uh, they were talking about me. And he said, he, he exhibits all the symptoms of ADD, ADHD, meanwhile, laughs at him during the interview. People in that mental frame, she's talking to me, about me, generally have addiction issues. Well, duh. They're <laughs> well, they're on med- whether they're on medication or not, they try to calm their mind at the end of the day, and it's a huge struggle. Well, I, I, I can agree with that. Um, he mentioned criticism, he's talking about me, was given his way, and you laughed. This is, oh, this is what we call rejection sensitive dysphoria those with adhd those with add adhd are prone to this i hate how you laugh at him you are what we call atypical i was on board with your podcast until this one but your lack of sensitivity for anyone who doesn't look like you mentally who doesn't look any, your lack of sensitivity for anyone who doesn't look like you mentally is disgusting. I just had to go back and look at that again. It was very, very interesting, very, very pointed. But anyway, Vivian, thank you for writing in. I appreciate you very much. And, uh, you know, everyone's got their opinion, right? Thank you. Safi writes in. Now that is a cool name right there. Safi, S-A-F-E. F-Y. Anyway, she says, hi, John, I just heard one of your podcasts and I absolutely loved in big capital letters, loved it. You are kind and delightful and funny. All the good stuff I love about AA. I'm a worker among workers in, gosh, I hope I get this right, Suquamish, Washington. I'm 14 years sober by the grace of God. Thank you for your lovely podcast, Safi. B. That is really cool. Um, the the name the name and what you wrote in. Thank you, Safi. Mateo writes in and he says, John. Uh, oh, and the subject line was David G. You may eventually get sick of hearing from me, but I couldn't help myself today. Wow, what an episode with David G. Boy, does it feel great. It makes me feel a bit silly about myself, self-centeredness, to hear another person acknowledge the selfish, self-centered thinking that has been a main driver in my life. If I can just get away with stuff, I really didn't do anything that wrong. That's the quote. 
That's me, says Mateo, wanting the softest bed in the hotel or the best room in the Airbnb. That was me for years when touring with my band while in the midst of a full-blown alcoholism. Reinventing myself to be a giving, altruistic person is now the main driver, and I really need to hear this conversation today. As always, thank you, John M., Appreciate it. Mateo says, I'm back at work this week after six weeks of paternity live with little Miss Ophelia. I've seen pictures of her. I put the little Miss in there, but he just said with Ophelia and really am trying hard to bring these principles into every aspect of my life. It feels good to check in with my 10 step app at night and not have anything to admit I was dishonest about or that needs amends. I can't. I'll keep striving every day. I'm going to listen to this episode several more times to try to get as much out of this goodness in my heart and soul as I can. Hope you are very well. Uh, hope you and the family are very well, Sir Mateo V. Well, I am doing well, especially today. Now that could change within an hour or whatever, Mateo. But thank you for writing in, and I'm glad uh, uh, you're able to get back after work after six weeks of paternity leave with their little Miss Ophelia. <laughs> <laughs> Joy writes in, and Joy says, you know, when I was a kid, by the way, this has nothing to do with it. We always used to say, uh, oh, and then he hopped up and jumped for Joy. But Joy wasn't real happy about that. Anyway, I digress significantly. Joy writes in, and she says, Joy writes in, and she says, hi, John. Sorry. That was, I just repeated that about three or four times. I live in the middle of nowhere, Bushnell, Illinois. I moved here from San Diego about four years ago to be closer to my family. Boy, it's been a ride, laugh out loud. Change of pace, change of everything. The transition hasn't been easy, but I am surviving. The last time I committed to recovery was in 2005. I managed to string together eight years during that time. I found religion, band-aided my relationships and experienced a couple of miracles, but but then I slipped away from the from the fellowship. For me, it was NA Narcotics Anonymous. I am returning to the rooms after a ten year run, albeit mostly virtual Zoom. I haven't gone back to my original drug of choice since I was first introduced to the twelve step recoveries, but. I've never denied that I'm an addict. The This time, it is definitely different. I have a newfound willingness to stay sober, and I've run out of reservation. I found, reservations. I found your podcast, and I'm excited to hear more speakers. It's currently my meeting in between meetings. I've backed myself into isolation, can't even commit to a home church or recovery group, but I know if I'm working a program of recovery, there might still be hope to change my thinking so I can find some sense of peace and perhaps change direction. I jumped back on the bandwagon of dry January to help me wean off the daily marijuana habit and somehow along the way decided I like being clear-headed again and started looking into recovery. I have 62 days without alcohol and drug-free today. Thank you for holding the space for the podcast. Warmest regards, joy H. Well, God bless you, Joy H., and I'm glad that you are back on the right path. 
John writes in, he says, hey, John, how's it going? I just wanted to keep in touch and update you with how things are going. I took my 60-day chip last week. Without a doubt, this winter has been a whole new experience in my recovery. I know that this has been the result of being closer to God and working the 12 steps. I'm currently working through my ninth step amends, and I've begun practicing step 10 in my daily life. I have one last financial amends to make, which I will be completing in the next week or so. Good for you, John. I was listening to your personal story episode last month and hearing you talk about making amends to your mom and how it gave you the opportunity to rebuild your relationships with her in a way you never expected uh, and that really hit me. It's like this voice came to me and says, quote, pay your parents back, unquote. So I started with my dad and I will finish with my restitution to my mom very soon. God, you're doing the work. That is great, John. He says, I feel so privileged to have put my heart into my recovery this winter and have sober speak, uh, and have sober speak as a huge part of that. I'm getting close to having to listen to all the episodes. This morning, I started listening to Marty C's episodes again, and I'm getting so much more out of it all over again. I spent the last couple of days going through Charlie P's series, and I can't help but think how lucky we are to have this golden experience at our fingertips, at our fingertips. To hear, you, to hear guys experience about how they went through new outlooks about AA with long-term sobriety gives us a chance to truly have the experience from the start if we choose to. This is the path I believe I am on, and I am extremely grateful for that. I began helping another guy go through the steps over the last month. And I think that gentleman wrote in to me, uh, and you turned him on to the podcast, John. Thank you. At first, I was unsure if it was too early, but my sponsor says it'd be uh, it might be the best thing for me. Yes, I I agree. And getting started soon is better. Listening to Marty talk about that, this confirms what I am doing and what the program suggests. It has been a wonderful experience for both of us thus far. I figure I will upstate, uh, update you each month on my journey in recovery, God willing. Here is a couple of picks at the setting that I listen to Sober Speak and uh, while working away in northeastern British Columbia, Canada through the winter. Best wishes and thank you so much for your service. Praying hands, John D. And uh, it looks really, really cold up there, <laughs> Mr. John D. Stay, uh, stay warm as over and thank you for the beautiful pictures. I appreciate it. Ashley writes in and she says, Hey, John, I have enjoyed listening to your podcast and I have felt so much comfort in knowing I'm not alone. I live in Cypress, Texas, just outside of Houston. My sobriety date is June 5th of 2022. I just wanted to say thank you for all you do for the sober community. Your podcast provides such comfort and support and humor and things a lot of people wouldn't consider funny. <laughs> I agree there. She says, you are amazing and very much appreciated, Ashley W. Well, Ashley, I think you're amazing. I don't know how amazing I am, but I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all the guests that we have on and all of the listeners, all of you. 
Finally, Brad writes in and he says, uh, two years, March 10th. And Brad says, John, a quick note. I made it. Uh, or excuse me, I'm Brad R. And I've shared with you a couple of times in the past. Yesterday, March 10th, and I'm a bit behind in uh, reading this. I made two years. God bless you, Mr. Brad R. That's fantastic. He says, thanks to my sponsor meetings and your podcast, I'm living and not just surviving. This program helps me understand the difference daily. I want to say thank you, Brad R. Well, God bless you and thank you, Brad R. All right, everybody, that wraps up another week another week and my my voice has been going out here lately when i'm doing these things keep coming back it works if it, if you work it may god bless you and keep you until then i uh plan to be back next week but i take this one week at a time love you guys bye bye <laughs>